This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today for this third episode in our Summer Athlete Nutrition Series. Today's episode is with returning guest, sports dietitian, Anna Turner, and we are breaking down lab work today. So we're talking about the lab work we should all be getting done every single year as adults. And then also the lab work that we should think about getting done as athletes. Specifically, we're going to break down vitamin D, iron and ferritin. I know we talked about that a little bit last week with Maddie. We just hit on it a little bit this week. B12, magnesium. And then we do a little bit of a case study with one of the athletes that I coach for running and Anna works with, um, with nutrition. This episode is packed with information. My hope is that with each episode in this series that you walk away with a little bit of knowledge and that you feel empowered to take control of what you can take control of. So this episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. I'm so grateful to have them on board for the podcast and there's really no better fit than Inside Tracker for this series specifically. Inside Tracker was created by leading scientists in aging genetics, biometrics, and Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you are not. We put so much time and energy into running or whatever it is you personally are passionate about. And I just think to be able to know what your levels are, especially for your iron and things like that, it's key. So with Inside Tracker, they will take your blood panel and then they will give you those results and give you an ultra personalized performance system that analyzes all the data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and it will help you learn how to optimize your body and reach your goals. For a limited time, you can receive 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you go to insidetracker.com slash another. If you go to that exact landing page, that should automatically apply the 20%. If that's not working, just use the code another and that will get you 20% off. All right, this podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. Make sure you go check out our website, sandyboyproductions.com. We do have a brand new podcast in the network called Ready to Run, hosted by Dr. Efren Kabalis and Kurt Roser, who is a physical therapist. They are bringing athlete interviews, clinician interviews, and well-researched topic to the table. Go check it out. It's called Ready to Run. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Anna Turner. All right, well, this is episode three of our six-part nutrition series. Back on the show today, we have Anna Turner, sports dietitian. Welcome back, Anna. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Excited to be back and talk nutrition. Uh, friends, Anna and I were just talking like, uh, this could be like a 14-part series. Because like <laughs> the, the episode we're going to record today... We were like, this needs to be two episodes. We actually are going to break it up. There's just so many things to cover. <laughs> there is so many things. So, I mean, yeah. And especially a sports dietitian can geek out about nutrition for hours. <laughs> so <laughs> there's definitely many, many layers and all of it's 
super, at least I think it's super interesting. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of your audience agrees and likely really enjoys learning about um, new nutrition topics as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's start with, with lab work, lab values and things like that. So why do you recommend we be getting lab work done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a couple different layers here. Number one, there's the layer of just protecting your health. Right. I think most of your audience is in that 30 to 55, 30 to 65 range of of age. And that's the time where we really need to start taking a better look at our health just to make sure that everything's going okay. Right. The thing that we can't do is um, look in the mirror and make assumptions based on how our body looks and say that, okay, I look healthy, I eat healthy, I train right. So I am healthy. We all want to think that, and I hope that that is the case for all of your runners. Um, but number one, first and foremost, we just need to make sure that our health status is okay. And then secondarily to that, we can take it to the next level um, with certain labs to make sure that it that our lab work is um, supporting our training and our goals as a runner. So, um, so the first one I think of, I actually just so. I'm going to tell a little story here. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, so I grew up working in a bike shop. And so I grew up around super fit people, um, very determined people. And I ran into one of those. So my husband and I just moved back to the area where we're from in central Illinois. And I ran into one of those um, guys recently. And he, I mean, he was a person doing Ironman triathlon, century rides. Like he was always um, someone that, you know, I couldn't drop on a bike ride. He was, he was really tough and a really good cyclist. Um, and he is, you know, in his late fifties right now. Um, and come to find out he had a triple bypass heart oh, surgery. Wow. And, and I think that, and that was exactly what I said, like, Oh, wow. I would never guess that from you who, you know, it looks like you take care of your body. You look really in shape. Um, I don't think he, you know, drinks too much alcohol or anything like that. It looks like he lives a really well-balanced life. Um, so I just say that because, you know, say, make sure you're getting your labs done because we really don't want to make assumptions about what's on the inside of our body based on what we look like or how we live our life. We hope that those, you know, good things that we are doing are supporting our health, but ultimately we really need to take a look, get our blood work done and really make sure that everything is in alignment. Gosh, Glenn, my husband has had like borderline high blood pressure since he was like 25. And it's just very hereditary for him. And mm -hmm. he's like kept it in check pretty well through exercise and, and decent eating. But I don't know the last time he got it checked, honestly. And I'm like, you need to get on that. It is like totally hurt her you know his sister's been on blood pressure medication since he was she was 25 his dad's on it and mm -hmm. um yeah like most people would look at him and be like oh that guy runs six, looks, 60 miles yeah. a week he's totally yeah, fine he he's a vegetarian he, yeah he's like taking care of himself but um yes. yeah I think that that is such a such a good good point um so I've been doing inside tracker and it's really cool to kind of like see where your levels are on certain things um, what are like the basic lab values that you think people in their 30s, 40s, I guess we're generalizing here because as you said, the, the majority of my listeners here are probably between like 30 and 65. I know there's some people mm -hmm. under and, and over that as well, but um, 
what, what are some things that like we definitely need to be looking at? Yeah. Well, when it comes to, um, I mean, you, you basically want to get a full panel, right? So your CBC, your metabolic panel, um, some of the things that I pick out specifically um, are the things that are going to show me if your current health status is going to potentially lead to um, some chronic disease states, right? Is your Does your lab value show that you could be down the path of type 2 diabetes or heart disease or cardiovascular disease um, or carotid artery disease? And some of the some of the labs that would show you that, you know, having um, consistent and healthy blood pressure would be one of them. Um, checking your hemoglobin A1C is definitely one that I would want done yearly. Definitely to see if there's any trend there of it going up or going up consistently. What's that? What is the hemoglobin A1C? Yeah, so the hemoglobin A1C would be in conjunction with your fasting glucose and your insulin. So that's going to tell us if you um, are, you know, getting in too much carbohydrate but not utilizing it enough, um, and if you're trending at all towards type two diabetes. Okay. Um, so that one is interesting because I actually had my inside tracker labs done because um, I really wanted to know what did birthing a baby do to my labs, mm. right? As I'm getting back to postpartum training. Um, it's really important to get your labs done because through the OB, through working with your OB, I had labs done um, really right after birth, right? So right after I had sure. Mara last May, I would have had my labs done. But then it had been, you know, six to seven months since I had labs done. And that's at the point where I'm starting to pick up my training more. I'm really, you know, going on longer bike rides, longer runs. Um, and I really want to make sure, like, has my iron deficiency recovered Where's my vitamin D at? Where's my, um, just where are my lab values to know that, you know, it, it's a real effort on your body to, to create a baby and birth a baby. So we want to make sure we really take care of those deficiencies that that could have left us in before we go pound the pavement um, and do something, you know, hard on our body. So anyway, what I was going to say about that A1C is that when I got my labs done, my A1C was actually um, like in the... It's not high, but in the like borderline, like needs optimized borderline. (laughs) I think inside tracker (laughs) says needs optimized. It's not like at a risk, but like it could be better. Right, right. You're trending. (laughs) Um, So yeah, mine was in the needs optimized and I was not happy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Just because, you know, as a dietitian, that's one of the ones that I, I just, you know, I know so much about that that I, I would take personally. Um, so anyway, <laughs> when I met with the inside tracker dietitian, she reminded me that that also could be high because I was breastfeeding. Hmm. So I was in a state of inflammation and, and it could be showing through an A1C level. So I just thought that that was really interesting. Um, and I was really thankful to have that conversation and have her, you know, a lot of times it takes someone else to see yeah. the full picture of your life and everything you have going on. Um, and what's going on in your body and remind you of all the different areas in which uh, your body can be responding. Which is interesting coming from a sports dietitian because like these are things, these are like facts that you actually know, but like having that, it's like a doctor, like they need to go see a a different doctor. You know, you you just need that outside consultation sometimes. Yeah, because I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have remembered the connection of breastfeeding and how that could affect my lab values. So yeah, I'm so thankful to have had that conversation. Um, 
So, so we would be looking for any movement in your A1C, fasting glucose, insulin over time. So that's telling us if you could be leading towards type 2 diabetes. Um, and then a lipid panel is really important, getting your total cholesterol, getting your triglycerides, knowing where your good cholesterol is, your bad cholesterol. And again, trends over time, right? How is that trending over time? Um, when, you know, when you were 30, what did those labs look like? When you're 35, mm. what do those labs look like? Um, so that you can know, okay, maybe when I'm 55, I'll still be in a really good place if I keep up these really good habits. Um, it's also really good to get a thyroid panel done, which I don't know that that is included in the Inside Tracker Labs. I don't um, think it was in mine. My mom's always talking about getting my thyroid. And anytime I, anytime I feel like I have like an emotional breakdown or like any kind of like feelings where hormonally my mom's like she's always like have you had your thyroid checked recently <laughs> mine too and that's because it, it it runs in my family and I don't know if it runs in yours as well but um it definitely runs in my family so that's when I get checked every year and I'm just really uh aware of how high stress can impact my body because Jeez. that's one of those hormones it, that, that is can the just truth. be tanked yeah can we just sit on that for a minute? <laughs> I don't think we realize it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I should be little like true symptoms of, of, of issues, but like I always look back on stressful times and think, holy shit. Like mm -hmm. no wonder I felt like that. And sometimes you have to be removed from the situation to realize like how stressed you really were and not to mm -hmm. be dramatic, but like, it can be dramatic. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I will say that I went through, I feel like I went through the first time where I was hyper aware of the level of stress I was going through. And I think because, because I'm a dietitian. So when, um, so I had Mara last May. And so there's the, you know, wanting to get back to the life you love of mm -hmm. running and biking and swimming and, and training for something and feeling like yourself. And so I, I know that that should be a slow, easy progress. But then my husband and I moved, which you did as well. So right? stressful. You move an entire family. You try and navigate the whole daycare or preschool or um, nanny situation. What does that look like in this town? You know, buying a house, remodeling a house. Um, yeah, I think for like three months, I was like, okay, low expectations, low expectations, low expectations. <laughs> Trying to make new friends, like just figuring out what your new life is in that new place. Like, yeah, it's yeah. And I think that that's super smart. And I think that that also comes with age to, mm. to know that, that you were saying low expectations, like not that we want to have low expectations for our lives, but like for like this, like piece of our lives, like, OK, mm -hmm. this is where we are right now. Yeah. 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 There was no reason for me to sign up for a race to try and race a marathon or triathlon. Like no way, <laughs> no way. Just trying to get settled, get things figured out. And that's what this year is for. Now I feel like I'm in a place where I can enjoy training for something. Um, and my, you know, it's been a full year since m having Mara. So my labs are in a good place and my body can support me training for something as well. Um, so, okay. Thyroid panel. And I know we kind of like got off on a tangent there with the stress and everything. What is the thyroid panel telling us? 
Yeah. So, I mean, number one, again, just trends over time is really important. So you can go through different parts of your life and your thyroid, um, you know, like I mentioned, high stress can really wreck that or simply having a baby could be something that throws you into hyper or hypo to, mm-hmm. I was chatting with two of my friends this weekend and both of them, I didn't know this, both of them, um, went into hypothyroidism after their second child. Wow. So those are the take care of your life labs. Um, I'm going to talk quickly about the running specific labs. Um, and then we're going to get into a story that kind of throws it all together and you can just see like a real life experience on, on what that can look like. Is this our case? Our case? Yes. <laughs> we love you. We, we, we have a friend that we both work with that is doing so awesome. And we have a, so we're doing like a case study on the podcast. Uh huh. Yes, she said that um, she will always allow us to talk about Aww. her progress because we she just values so much of the training and nutrition. It's awesome. Um, okay, so running specific, we want to test our vitamin D levels. I know vitamin D is like a hot topic. I think it's I feel like it's kind of everywhere mm-hmm. um, as far as you know being talked about in vitamin D supplements and chews. Um, so that's one that we do want to test on a yearly basis. And honestly, with that one, I like to test twice a year because I want to know what my normal winter value is and what my normal summer value is. Oh, interesting. So that's the the vitamin that we synthesize through exposure to the sun. It plays a huge role in our immune system, but also in building bone. So it helps calcium do its job of helping with building bone. So as we get into those, you know, once you get past the age of 30, you're no longer <laughs> building. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, we're no longer building bone, we are maintaining bone. <laughs> so it's really imperative that we have the nutrients present to maintain that bone. Um, so that one, and again, I like to get the fall and summer. So when I get my, or the winter and summer. So when I get my winter value, I might get it tested in like, October, November. So it's before, you know, it drops too low. Um, since we're not out, well, runners are generally outside, but you're covered in long sleeves, you've got mm-hmm. pants on. So just a lot less skin exposure. Um, so I would get that one tested and I'm just going to throw out some numbers. Let's say my vitamin D in um, November was like 35. So pretty good. Um, it's not deficient. It's not insufficient. Um, it's in a good place, but I know that I've got, you know, December, January, February, March to go until I can take my long sleeves off. So I'm going to start supplementing with like 2000 IUs a day. Um, and then once I get to the summer, I want to retest again, midsummer, maybe June, July, um, to see is my 2000 IUs a day still good or do I need to back it down to 1000 IUs a day, right? Because now we're adding sun exposure to our supplementation. So the thing we wouldn't want to do is we wouldn't want to take some, you know, a high dose, like 4,000 IUs of vitamin D and then only test once a year because we don't know how that is now being combined with more sun exposure and potentially our vitamin D is getting a little too high. Now that's the vitamin. Um, it's not the same as vitamin C, right? Sometimes you might hear people say like, oh, if you take too much vitamin C, you just pee it out. It's not like that with vitamin D because it's a fat soluble vitamin. So you actually store all of that extra vitamin D in your body and then it can just kind of throw off other hormones and other nutrients 
uh, you know, because you're overdosing. Um, so interesting. And I just feel like it's so strange that, and I'm curious if you have thoughts on this, that, you know, like winter time seems to be when people get sick more typically because, you know, like you're indoors more or whatever. And that naturally we aren't getting as much, you know, like God made vitamin D from the sun. I think there's definitely a correlation there for sure. Is there studies yep. though? Like, you know how like back in the day you, you ate seasonally and some people mm-hmm. listening probably yeah. still do like you ate, ate seasonally. I wonder if sure. there's like more seasonal foods that are high in vitamin D that you would eat in the winter. I'm just thinking like before all the vitamins and supplements were made mm-hmm. and you know, back mm-hmm. in the day, because like there has to be like a flow of how things are supposed to be. Maybe I'm like thinking too big here, but. Well, I think you're maybe thinking a bit too optimized. So I'll give you my opinion on yeah. that. Is I, so number one, there's not that many foods that contain vitamin D, which is interesting, huh, right? Unless yeah. it was added to like a cereal was added, right? It's like fortified but, with it. Yeah. Ex- yeah. So like fatty fish would be one. Um, and then like vitamin D milk. But beyond that, there's not a ton that's like a really good source of vitamin D. Um, so gen- so that's one of the nutrients when you're a dietitian that you're like, you kind of just go to supplementation yeah, because you're just not getting a ton and most people don't eat fish three times a day. Um, so I would almost say that, you know, we, we, we know the life expectancy of people back in, you know, prehistoric ages wasn't a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they also lived outside. So anyway, I guess you hear my point of yeah. they like just weren't getting in enough. That's so interesting. I always think about that with like, well, back in the day, like I couldn't just eat avocados year round. You just didn't have access to that. Right. But also, I guess the thing to think about it, it is a fat soluble, meaning you store it. And so those people didn't have houses and air conditioning in the summer so they were outside for eight hours a day absorbing They're something that's absorbing that more stick with them through the winter months than we might. So that might be like the real hibernation like vitamin, right? Listen, you guys, we're doing research here. We're, we're really we're really diving deep into this. Um, so what are the levels? Can you can you tell us vitamin D levels that are I know you mentioned 35 going into winter, but like, what is a number that is like, oh, that's great. What is a number where it's like, eh, let's supplement. And what is a number where like, you have too much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's generally between 30 and 40 is like, let's, um, let's do a low dose supplementation and just make sure that it stays between 30 and 40. Okay. Um, less than 30 is, uh, I think between like 20 and 30 is insufficiency and less than 20 um, is considered deficiency. Okay. And then vitamin D, again, like I mentioned, you don't have to get in a ton. So we don't, I believe it's like over 80 is unnecessary. Okay. So if your levels are over 80, you know, you would want to pull back on supplementation and um, and maybe even wear a little suns, you know, more sunscreen <laughs> <laughs> um, and just kind of let your body process through that. Okay. But yeah, that's one that we don't need to just, I know, I know that it's readily accessible, and I think sometimes people just don't know that if they take too much, it's not like vitamin C, where you just excrete it out of your body. Yeah. So vitamin D, bone density, and immunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, if I had to talk about bone density at all, you know, I would also plug getting a DEXA scan done 
for those um, of us who are women over the age of 30, I would start DEXA scans and, and especially being runners. Um, so that just tells you what your bone density is. So that would just give you a really clear picture like, okay, my bones are in a good place. My labs are in a good place. And yeah, and from there, you know, train your train your heart out and get a good nutrition plan and you are going to be in a good place. But with, but with bone density, is that even something we can change? You can um, through mostly through the how you are exercising. Okay. Right. So more weight bearing exercises. So for example, I do have um, a runner who is a seasoned marathon runner, really, really good. Um, and she had a family history of osteoporosis and osteopenia. And so she, um, I think I diagnosed with osteopenia in like her late to late thirties, early forties. And she's now mid fifties and is, and is really close to the osteoporosis. So I was working with her to help her, um, understand that she needs to take her number of days she's working out and, And I'm going to, she was doing, I think, let's call it five running sessions and two strength training sessions. And I was saying we need to like basically flip those. Okay. Yeah. Like you can still run and you're still going to be a runner, but we need to just change the way in which you're training so that your body is um, getting the support that it needs. Okay. This might be a silly question. And if you can't answer it, it's fine. Um, But... Like, why does strength training this? I feel so silly. I know that strength training is good for our bones and it's good to keep us injury free. But like, why is that so helpful for our bone density? Yeah. So, I mean, so I think, I guess, think of um, it being like the tension that your bone needs to indicate it needs to, to, well, I know the word build is hard because we're not technically like building bone, but it's the tension that the bone needs or the stimulus that the bone needs to indicate that it is not breaking down. Okay. Right. So it's, it's starting the reabsorption phase and maintaining itself versus breaking down. I'm curious what you think about something like a reformer Pilates, because I do that once a week and I say this, I swear by it, that it is the reason I ran the 2019 New York city marathon so well, because I'm my whole core was just like so much stronger, but like, it's not technically like weight, like super mm-hmm. weight bearing mm-hmm. uh, strength training, but it is strength. Like you're, I'm feeling totally. that, but I'm like, is it more muscular than bone? Or I guess the muscles on the bone, I sound super elementary, but like, <laughs> is, can that no, even be it. comparable to a yeah. legit strength training session with weights? I understand what you're saying. And I think I would have to refer to a sports med physician or a strength coach yeah. for the specific question of does some does the tension of Pilates actually maintain or help build bone? So yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. I okay. totally understand what you're saying though, and completely can see how Pilates would help you run a marathon and have insanely good core strength. But as far as I'm going to say for someone who has osteopenia or osteoporosis, I'm going to say the answer to that would be no. Yeah. Because they need like more weight than what their body physically has. Sure. Um, to, to have that stimulus. But I would think for those of us who don't have bone density issues, I know that that is an awesome way to make sure you're well balanced in your strength. Yeah. 
Um, this has me really excited because I'm like all about all these series now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to do a strength training series after this. You <laughs> like you all totally the series. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I definitely would. I need to, they, I just actually got added to a Facebook group um, for Pilates in the park here. And nice. I need to go so bad. <laughs> I just like, if I can just commit, I know that like really twice a week is good, but I mean, if I can commit to once a week, I feel better. And I know I did that for like a year straight um, in Indianapolis. And I think it just like, it just, I, I wasn't even running my fastest times because I wasn't putting the work in for that, but I just, mm. I could run faster based on my, like where I was because mm -hmm. of the, because of that. Mm -hmm. Yep. This episode of All Have Another Podcast is supported by Athletic Greens. I've seen a lot of information about Athletic Greens over the years, and I finally have dove in and tried it myself and am loving it. I wake up in the morning and I mix it with eight ounces of water, which I was drinking water in the morning anyway before my coffee. So that's how I have my water now. I have Athletic Greens water. The biggest difference I have noticed is my energy earlier in the morning, which is great because I like to wake up and be awake for about two hours before I go on my run. This morning that meant waking up at five, taking my Athletic Greens, about 45 minutes later, having some coffee and then going for a run at seven. Athletic Greens will help with gut health, help with energy levels and optimize your immune system. It's kind of like an all in one fix with 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take care of yourself. And it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Lindsay to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, friends, back to the show. Um, okay, so vitamin D, bone density, iron ferritin... Yeah. So iron is one of the ones that, um, I would check for all of my runners. So this kind of, this will, um, I'll give you a preview of the story we're about to tell. Um, but in working with any distance runner, I want to know their iron. So when I start working with a runner, I'm going to ask them to get their labs done or send me recent labs. Um, and so that was something that I asked this runner that we both work with. Um, so anyway, I'll, I'll tell, tell, talk to you about that in a second with iron though. We really want to know if our storage of iron is sufficient. Um, so what that means is your circulating iron might be fine. So when your family physician runs your labs and they take your hemoglobin, your hemoglobin may be okay, but your storage unit of iron might be totally tanked. And that's your ferritin. And so that was my story back in high school. I had a great uh, family physician, but he wasn't specialized in um, in sports. So he didn't know to look for, uh, ferritin and that it actually does, uh, play a role in your cardiovascular, um, use as a runner. So he would just take my hemoglobin and he's like, well, you're not anemic. 
So if you're not anemic, you must be okay. But just like Inside Tracker shows you, like there's different levels, right? It's not good and bad. <laughs> there's a lot of gray in between. And so I was one of those people who my hemoglobin was fine, but my ferritin was totally tanked. And I was just feeling so fatigued, like so fatigued, I needed a nap during the middle of the day. And I couldn't complete my workouts anymore. And I just didn't understand why. It was, became really frustrating because I knew what I was in shape. I knew I was putting in the work, but it was getting harder and harder and harder. So finally, we figured out uh, what that was. And it was um, iron deficiency anemia. And my ferritin was like a 10. And it should be, you know, over 50. So that is the one thing I, I always want to know with my runners. Um, so that brings me to this runner that we worked with together. Because the last thing I want to do is work with an athlete for six months and work through all of their um, meal planning, their pre-workout, their post-workout, their intra, what they're taking in on their runs, their hydration status, like the last thing I want to do is get everything perfect mm. and then send you to the race iron deficient, yeah. right? <laughs> because nothing else matters. <laughs> iron plays such a role in oxygen transportation. So if you don't have enough um, red blood cells in your blood carrying that oxygen, you're going to feel things like high heart rate or you're going to fatigue early um, or you're not going to be able to hit the paces you want to hit because you don't have enough of that oxygen transporting ability. My ferritin is 42. Your ferritin's in a good place. Is it? Um, it is. I would, I mean, all the sports med physicians I've worked with said getting it over 50 is ideal, but I would say yours is in a really good place to where if you wanted to take one iron supplement, like one pill every other day every as a maintenance, it would be totally fine. I get super nervous. It's going to mess with my stomach though. Um, is that something you've heard or is, has it actually affected your stomach? No, I've never, I've literally never taken an iron supplement. Oh, wow. No way. Never. Wow. Look at you. I know. And, and I, I'm, and I don't and eat meat. you're a vegetarian. Yeah. I know. I'm really impressed right now. I don't, I don't attribute it to like anything I've intentionally done. I just, huh? it is what it is. Interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I like, I don't have super heavy periods or anything like I don't think I do um, compared to what I've heard from a lot of people, but I don't, you know, I don't know. Yeah. That's a really nice um, genetic trait to have. There we go. Thanks mom. She passed down some (laughs) shitty genetic things to me, but that I will take. (laughs) Yes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I am on iron supplements forever. Huh. <laughs> increase when I have children and, you know, go up to like three pills when I get pregnant down to two pills when I'm not pregnant. Well, um, and but, interesting because yeah. with Inside Trucker, I can look at my like the last time I had blood work done from them was it was 2019. So I had had I had had a baby and I think it was like 39. That was like a year after I had a baby wow. and now it's 42. Wow. Mine. I remember um, talking so I got mine, you know, like I said, right after I had Mara, I did my labs. Um, and mine was a three. Whoa. And I remember telling Dr. Arnold this. Um, and he was like, oh, Anna. He's like, it's it's zero. 
he's like it they just don't register less than like three or five (laughs) I was like oh great no I mean and that's crazy too for postpartum athletes because it's like you're already so tired for all the other reasons I know I know I was really a lot easier on myself this time around like I I think I was just so aware of everything like the tired from having the baby, but also tired because I'm literally iron deficient. Yeah. So even if I, you know, kill myself to go work out right now, it's going to feel terrible. Yeah. It's going to feel terrible. So yeah, I, I took, I've definitely taken the long journey this time and it's been a, um, a, just a much healthier relationship for sure. Okay. So then hemoglobin. So hemoglobin is that, um, is that, circulating iron. So again, if you go to a family physician and they just take your hemoglobin and you're a runner, just ask them really nicely if they would also take your ferritin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you need backup, DM me and I'll be your backup. Um, cause sometimes they just, they don't know the, the science behind that, which is fine. Um, so yeah, we want hemoglobin and ferritin. Um, and that's one I would get done every year, if not twice to even, it really just depends on where you're at. If you're someone who's doing two marathons a year, I would get it done twice a year. Okay. If you're someone who is racing, you know, year round, I would maybe get it done quarterly because the last thing I want is for that to have dropped from what you're at 40. The last thing I want is for that to have dropped from 40 to 20 and us not know it. Yeah. And you're like, why I'm working so hard. Why am I not seeing improvements here? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned ideally for an endurance athlete, we want the ferritin to be over 50. Mm-hmm. Um, hemoglobin, what's that number? Mine was, so I'm just using this as like a, I don't know myself as a case as well. My hemoglobin was 13. And both of these on, on Inside Tracker tell me they're not risk, but they need optimized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hemoglobin is like 11.6 um, to 15 for females. Okay. Um, so you're close. Hemoglobin just doesn't move as, uh, I guess, as much as ferritin. Okay. You know, it, it, it's like moves in what you said yours was what, 13? Yeah. So it's like 13.1, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4. Um, it just moves in a lot slower, in, smaller increments um, than ferritin does. So you just might see a greater movement um, in your ferritin. Generally, ge- well, it takes a lot to get your uh, hemoglobin to deficiency, which I think is the part that's just really sucks. It's confusing Because like too. even when I was tanked out on my ferritin, my hemoglobin still wasn't showing deficiency. It was like right there. And what right if you there. like didn't know like the to check the ferritin? Gonna, yeah. And like the doctor wasn't going to say anything because I wasn't drastically deficient, right? She was like, oh, your hemoglobin's in a good place or or it could be better, but it's not deficient. So just, you know, make sure you have your good sources of iron in your diet. And I was like, ah! <laughs> I need more than that. <laughs> um, okay. So we won't hang on iron too much because I do, we did talk about it a little bit in depth um, on another episode in the series. Let's go to B12 energy production. We're going to, we're going to cover two more running specific um, labs. Yeah. So B12, um, it, I don't often see athletes being deficient in it, but it is one of those um, utilizing inside tracker that I've seen some movement within athletes from the less than optimized to the optimized. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a big one in energy production. Mm. So that's just one that I would just, I would look at, you know, it's not one I'd really worry about, but I would look at it and see where it is. 
Um, and then magnesium, again, same thing. I have not come across a ton of athletes who show specific insufficiency or deficiency in magnesium, but I will include extra um, supplementation of magnesium in the summer. And we talked a little bit about this in our last episode because we do sweat so much and it is one of the electrolytes, but it's not when they make electrolyte products, they don't often, you know, add a ton of magnesium into it. Um, because you know, if you, it's, it's a muscle relaxer, right? So you don't want to add a ton of a muscle relaxer. Um, I do want some of that at bedtime though. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So it's a great one to take at bedtime. Um, so I will, I just added that to a regimen for one of my athletes because it's summertime. She lives in the South. We're doing a ton of sweating. Um, and it's, it's a great one to help with recovery. Um, and I know that she's using or losing a lot more now. Um, I know timing wise, we're like kind of getting close. Like, I don't know how we want to break down the athlete case. Yeah. Yeah. So let me just tell, um, I'll just kind of talk about her story quickly and then we'll talk about what we did with her nutrition. So again, I'd worked with her for, I don't know, a few months. Um, and I kept begging her to get her labs done, but it wasn't easy for her. Um, because there was such a long wait to get into her doctor. And I think she was just frustrated by that and just didn't want to deal with it. It's annoying. Yeah. It's so annoying. And so I kept pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And she finally did it for me for inside track with inside tracker. Uh huh. And I get, I get people's hesitation too, because it is expensive. Like it, it truly is expensive, but like the power and just, I just think we spend hundreds of dollars on races and, running coaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, seems like everybody has a running coach these days. Dietitians. I'm constantly mm-hmm. referring athletes to dietitian to you. And mm-hmm. it's like, or it, I just, any dietitian, I'm like, I, mm-hmm. your, your level of yeah, questions with nutrition, resource. like yeah. I, I can only go so far here. I am not a mm-hmm. dietitian. Um, but we're spending like hundreds of dollars, thousands of dollars on all these resources to get us to these races, all of our great shoes. And I'm like, Sign up for two less races and like figure out where your blood work is and do them optimized. Yeah, do your do a few races really, really, really well versus several um, not well. So, yeah. So the thing that I'll say is that um, generally health insurance will cover you to get labs done once a year. But sometimes we need them done twice a year. And if you're paying for like a marathon or an Ironman, we might want them done quarterly. So there is definitely a need for Inside Tracker. Um, I also was super upset this year. My husband switched insurances. Oh no. And he got, he got his labs done. Like we, our labs have always been covered. And so he got his done. And this insurance that we now have does not cover his, uh, labs until he's over the age of 40. So that's a bummer. (laughs) There's a plus for Um, turning 40 right there. You start getting your labs covered. So anyway, so she finally got her labs done. Um, And honestly, the biggest thing I wanted to see, again, was her iron status. I, you know, and I didn't know what her vitamin D was. But the biggest thing was I didn't want to send her to the start line of a really big race iron deficient. So that was really what we were looking for. So then her labs come back. And thank goodness we got them done because there was definitely some areas um, that we needed to work on. One, her iron was a little low, uh, but not not deficient. So her ferritin, I think, was in the, I don't know, 30s. I don't know. It wasn't too bad. It was it was okay. 
it was something where I was going to have her supplement just a small supplementation to keep it um, in a good place or get it even a little bit higher. Uh, her vitamin D was deficient, mm. like deficient. I don't often come across deficient. Most of my athletes I see are insufficient. And that's so in interesting because that, she runs outside all the time. Yeah. And lives in the South. So yeah. I know su- super interesting. Um, so that one was a really big one. We started her on vitamin D supplements. Um, and then the other one, I didn't know this until we got her labs done, but come to find out she has a family history of cholesterol. So that her, um, she had some LDL cholesterol that was a little bit too high. Um, and she was, you know, just really excited to see what we could do with nutrition Mm -hmm. to improve that. Um, because she didn't want to, she didn't want to resort straight to going on a cholesterol medication. She, she knew, um, I think this is the thing. She knew that there's improvements she can make. And so she felt that she wanted to make as much of an improvement as she could. And then if it still isn't in a great place, then she'll consider, you know, what she needs to do. So we continue to work on her nutrition. Um, we, she just actually got her labs done again and her LDL cholesterol did come down by 20 points. That's so So, cool to see that, like, and just know it's like your life choices. Yes. Yes. She did a great job. Um, I mean, reduced alcohol consumption a little bit, not that it was anything terrible, but you know, it's not optimized, nor is it helping your LDL. So, um, reduce that a little bit, a lot more at home cooking versus eating out. Um, and then reducing consumption of, you know, fried foods, fried foods. I don't, I don't want to say, you know, like processed meats and things like that, because a lot of times if you just cut out the fried foods, it kind of cuts out all that stuff anyway. Um, let's see. And then really, uh, I know she would say that she has too many like chips and cookies Ugh, and, me and too. things like that. Me too. So really making sure that she is eating her balanced meals, like making sure her meals were balanced and that she's actually having a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Think about how many times you maybe skip over lunch and then insert like three snacks instead, Um, so that's just a really nice one to kind of check yourself on. I'm queen of that because I never want to get super full at lunchtime because I don't like feeling full during the day and like full, full, like, cause it makes me tired. Mm -hmm. So I'm like Mm -hmm. the queen of being like, I'll get a latte and then I'll have like a handful of this and a handful of that. And then four o'clock rolls around. I was just talking to another dietitian on for this series about this and I'm like, stuffing barbecue chips in my mouth and it's it's totally because I haven't had enough protein and like sit like a big substantial but I'm always like well my latte has whole milk in it like that's like fat and plenty of fat and protein yeah but it was also only 200 calories true yeah like it's like not a big a meal yeah 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 for sure um and there are people that just like you mentioned prefer smaller, more frequent feedings than a big meal in the middle of the day. And I think that's totally fine. The only thing I would say is like, make yourself a mental checklist, right? Like think of the athlete plate and think like, okay, this was my vegetable. This was my protein. This was my carb. And so like, okay, I had crackers and deli meat for this snack. And then I had carrots and ranch for that snack. And then I had, you know, so you can kind of like check off, okay, if I put all that stuff together, yeah, it equals the athlete plate. plate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I should feel pretty well balanced from that. 
Um, all right. So, so anyway, she, yeah, we put her on an iron pill. We got her out of vitamin D deficiency. That was super exciting. Her iron's still in a good place. Her cholesterol is getting to a better place. Um, but we still needed to see more improvement within her cholesterol. So we are going, um, to try some, um, nutrient supplementations. So instead of, again, going to like a cholesterol medication, there's a list of approved um, research approved nutrient supplementations, um, like red yeast rice. So she's going to be taking a few of those a day. Um, CoQ10, so coenzyme Q10, um, also shows um, that it helps lower cholesterol. Garlic, I thought that was interesting. Um, and I love to see that one. Um, so we're going to do some supplementation of garlic. And then she was already taking a fish oil. So we're going to continue with the fish oil as well. So we're going to do another three months of these supplements is the biggest change we're making while maintaining her good habits of nutrition. And then we're going to retest. And hopefully if she's down another, you know, 20 points, she's going to be like right there at being in the clear, which would be just super, super exciting. I've heard coenzyme Q10, CoQ10. I've mm-hmm. heard like so many like really good things about that supplement. And then I also have, um, I'll just say my husband, he's one of those people that is like, Oh, like anything holistic. He's like, thinks it doesn't really work. But I'm like, what are you talking about? You like eat a pretty natural, like whole diet, like, you know? Um, right. So I'm just, I'm always super curious about supplements and like the validity of them and, and things like that. And then, you know, one of my partners on the podcast is Prevenex and they have a joint supplement who, you know, at first when I started taking it, I was like, what? A joint supplement? But like mm-hmm. so many people have messaged me and they're like, I can't believe how much better I feel when I take this. Mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. we have a lot of skeptics with supplements uh-huh. though. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, well, number one, I think that it's okay to be skeptical um, because there's a lot of not great supplements out there. So I would prefer you be skeptical. Uh, but, you know, that's also an area I'd say work with a dietitian. Yeah. Right. Instead of standing in the supplement aisle and wondering, like, you know, which magnesium do I pick? Do I pick the magnesium citrate or the glycinate or, yes. you know, like what of, which of the 10 do I pick? Work with a dietitian. It's decision and see, fatigue. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's different reasons for different supplements. And some of them are just trash. And, and you it's know, true. it's helpful to have someone guide you through that so that you end up um, taking the right thing. Because the last thing you want to do is try something, hope it changes or improves your health, and it doesn't. And then you still feel lost. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too, about supplements. And, I, and I've, like, listened to some podcasts about this and kind of researched it extensively is that um, there's just so many on the market that are like diluted and, or how they're manufactured is just like not in a very good way. Or like some, like actually one of my, um, recommendations on my inside tracker was that I should be taking a probiotic, which I always mm-hmm. heard, like, you probably don't need a probiotic if you're not like having issues or whatever. But then like so many companies have probiotic supplements that don't actually have the amount Mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. bacteria or whatever it is to make it mm-hmm. even matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I think simplistically, like number one, there's there's certifications you should look for with supplements, like making sure something's USP 
certified or NSF for sport certified. So there's definitely safety um, certifications you can look for. But absolutely, having someone there just to help explain it to you. Um, for example, <laughs> I think of this um, hydration supplement. So it's a it's an electrolyte and it's total trash. Like it has 40 milligrams, like it was either 20 or 40 milligrams per pill. They're the kind where you take the pills um, per pill. So like, let's just say it's 40 milligrams per pill. So a even sodium? if you take... Yeah, even if you take two a half hour, like where in the heck is that going to get you? Yeah, like literally nowhere. And that was the stuff I was taking growing up in the bike shop because we sold it. And yeah. I was like, and nobody, nobody there knew any better either, right? So yeah, I I would say just work with work with an expert and figure out what makes sense for your body, um, and your health status. And yeah, and an expert can definitely help gets you the right product for sure. And double, just double check your labels too. Like mm-hmm. that's why you like, yeah, you come into play. It's like, okay, here's a supplement I want to take. What is this dietitian approved? <laughs> yeah. Is the dietitian approved? And the other thing, um, you know, is if you do already have any other health conditions, there's, you know, there's also like drug and nutrient interactions yeah. that occur. So it you is really make sure. helpful. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think most people listening to this podcast, the worst you might have is some high cholesterol. But again, you know, my friend had a triple bypass and I didn't well, would yeah. never have guessed it. Would never have guessed that that he um, had, you know, that stuff going on on the inside of his body. Well, and I'm thinking any drugs, like if you're taking antidepressants or anxiety medications, like yes, I don't know you. what's yep. interfering with totally. that, that as well. So that's, yeah, always 100%. cross check that stuff. Yes, 100%. I'd always cross check that. Yeah, I didn't even think of that, but that's a really good example. Yeah. Um, Okay, so next time on the podcast with Anna, we're going to go over um, athlete plates and like, you know, the percentage of carbs, protein and fat that you should be looking for in your plates as well as carbs to be taking in during the run, how much per hour, all that. We're going to get way into that. So make sure you're subscribed to the show here so that you don't miss out on the um, that's probably gonna be like episode six of the series. Um, and you can follow Anna on Instagram. Mm-hmm. What is it? Yeah, it's, uh, Anna Turner underscore sports nutrition. Um, yeah, hit, yeah. Feel free to chat me up in the DMS. If you have any sports nutrition questions, happy to answer, um, and you know, show you some resources as well. Oh, it's so fun. I'm so excited yeah. for people to like be empowered and take control of their health and what they're putting into their bodies. So thank you for Absolutely. coming back, Anna. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. All right, friends. Thank you so much for being here today to learn more about this topic and all the work that Anna is doing. You can find Anna on Instagram. She is Anna Turner underscore sports nutrition. We have at least three more episodes in this series coming up. So I'm really excited about it and hope you are enjoying it as well. All right. And make sure you check out our sponsors, Inside Tracker and Athletic Greens. Links to both of those sponsors and all the information will be at the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Just click on the tab for all have another. You can also just sign up for our newsletter there. And that way the show notes get delivered to your email every single week. It's that simple. All right. Have a really great rest of your day and we will see you Friday.